Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohn. Brad Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing fine on this, this really rainy and uh, disgusting Sunday morning. How are you, Russ? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a disgusting day and almost assured that the uh, World Series will be a rain out, I think, uh, our president knew that when he said he'd be there on Sunday. Anyhow, uh, Michael Jello, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. It was rainy and disgusting overnight, but it is sunny for the Eagles-Bills game. Huh. Uh, I'm, not so, <laughs> I'm not so enthused about that because I don't, I don't think the Bills are going to win. But go ahead. What about the hatchet throwing, though, as a pregame thing with Eagles fans and Bills fans there? Nothing can happen, right? No, I think they'll, they'll mistakenly throw it at each other, but... Other than that. Oh, well, that's going to be something. <laughs> Actually, Anthony and I predicted something. Wow. I have, a, I, have a, I have a clock here that's just randomly going off now. Interesting. <laughs> now, if we can mix two things together, what the heck is that? It's, it's, it's a clock, and it's a football clock. Oh I just had to derail it. So if, it just felt like talking. If we, if, we oh can my mix, goodness. if we can mix two things together and have the hatchet throwing in the rage room at the, at the Wells Fargo, then we'd have a perfect marriage. Well, all right, so a couple things before we get into hockey. Um, the first one is Anthony and I had this discussion, and what, we, what I believe will happen, and I don't think he disagreed, is Eagles fans and Bills fans will all drink together at the beginning, and then depending on whose team loses, it will get ugly in the end. Like, that's, that's the yeah, prediction lots, on that. Lots the, of Jenny Cream Ale. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they won't <laughs> be able to light anything on – well, no, they will be able to light it on fire because it's not raining there. The other thing is, I don't think the Rage Room is going well. They had to show Gritty in it yesterday in a Wonder Woman outfit, and nobody even – But like, they always show that pregame, don't they? Wait, 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 no, don't they I don't think they show it every game. Well, I think, I think so. the other issue is also maybe the cost of it, too. Yes, in fact, I think it's like $35 in order to go in yes. there and smash things. I think it sounds like a cool novelty, and I think at the end of the day, it was designed to get rid of a lot of old stuff they had gathering at the Wells Fargo Center right. after they did the whole refurbishing. So they're like, hey, here's a novel idea. Well, I, I, have, I have a novel idea on top of it. If you, I will gladly pay the $35 if you put Gritty in the room with me and a baseball bat. Ooh. All right. Before the show I'm gets so ugly, sure. I, I, I worry about your chances. I, 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 I do too. Do. I do. <laughs> I, I, think big. I think you're underrating the, the, the overall level of of, of, psych, of psychosis that uh, that that gritty probably would have in an enclosed space. And yeah, but you're underrating. You better be, my, you, my. You, better be, you better be prepared. You better be bringing Lucille with you with a barbed wire around. the power of my <laughs> the power of my swing. It is Aaron Judge like, but let's go. Yeah, oh, <laughs> last time you played ball, you you pulled something. Anyhow, 
let's let's talk hold about on. my reaction. Hold on, Russ. Wait, wait a second. My reaction to that was the same reaction you had looking at my pumpkin spice uh, bagel. That's fine. <laughs> I get it. All right. So let's let's talk about the um, the Flyers game first. We were at that game. I'll tell you that that was an interesting game from the sense that you really didn't know how it was going to end. It was one of those exciting games that even when Columbus had the lead, like nobody believed they would keep the lead for long, but nobody knew if the Flyers would actually win the game. Like, it was almost like yeah, we were watching this wondering who's going to make more mistakes because, you know, shots on goal, p- controlling the game. For a long portion of that game, it didn't matter. And then it finally did in the third period. It did in the third. And I think for the most part, I think in many ways, Columbus was able to survive, I think, in the second period and get a lead because of the fact that Eunice Corposalo, who seemed very, very loose, uh, didn't seem quite, you know, in sorts in the first period, really kind of locked things down and, and made some outstanding 10-bell saves on yeah. several chances that Philadelphia had. But you knew there was going to be an issue when, within a matter of a minute, there were two clean breakaways for Philadelphia with players coming out of, out of the penalty box. And, and it was just – it, it just had that sort of feeling that, any, as you said, anything really could be possible in this game. But all in all, I would say, for the most part, in this contest, even in the second period, that Philadelphia was holding a pretty substantial territorial advantage with the exception of maybe about a seven- to eight-minute stretch where, where it was either neutral zone or Columbus had the puck in their end. And adding to the mix, obviously, some not-so-great goaltending out of, the, out, of, out of Brian Elliott, who was starting, yeah. uh, again, I believe this was his uh, third game. Um, yeah. So in this circumstance in a row, so as you know, with Brian Elliott, you have to be sort of careful <laughs> with your usage. Yep. And uh, in this circumstance, they decided to play him on the front end of a back-to-back with Hart going today. So, Mike, uh, I have three little things to add, and then I'll, I'll get your feeling. The first one was, uh, I was Anthony and I were talking because the Flyers were on the uh, penalty kill a few times, and I was telling Anthony, I really think if somebody's going to get a shorthanded goal on this team, it's Kevin Hayes. And he was thinking about it, and then we said, I don't know, you know, we'll see. And then, of course, <laughs> Kevin Hayes does get one. Uh, and he didn't even shoot it. He had a rebound. He got a rebound shot that he knocked in. So that's one. The second one is anytime you write about a guy, somehow they inevitably score, and that was Shane Gossespierre, although technically Columbus scored it for him. And the third one was when tasked with the question, when John Tortorella was tasked with the question that Anthony basically encapsulated very well with your Corpus Allo playing so well in the second, Torch was asked that question, and, and the reporter had just basically said, hey, you know, do you feel like it, it could have gone better for him, you know, or like, you know, did he deserve a better fate? And he was just like, I guess. <laughs> Which, again, yeah, showed off Torts' love for goaltending. Yeah, that's typical Torts. And I wasn't in the post-scrum um, when they won in Toronto uh, recently, but – Corpusello was fantastic against the Leafs. I mean, acrobatic saves that kept them in the game, and then they eventually won on a penalty shot in overtime. So of the concerns regarding the exodus in Columbus, the one I have the least is the Bobrovsky uh, leaving and Corpusello and Elvis replacing him. Corpusello has played well. I don't know if he's going to be a good number one, but I think so far he's played well. The thing about that team is I don't know who's going to score, and I thought that was going to be a problem starting you know, at the start of the season with, with Panarin gone, with 
Duchesne gone, with uh, um, Dezingle gone. And honestly, other than Dubois and Cam Atkinson, who scores on the power play, I don't know who's going to score for that team. But, you know, Philadelphia puts up, what, seven against them, which is surprising because Columbus's defense, I think, is pretty is pretty good overall. That's one thing that Tortorella stresses is good team defense and playing sort of a tough brand of hockey. But if they get into those kind of games, I can't see how Columbus wins many of them. It is good. And I, I, I will say this. I think in the third period you saw where Columbus is just like undermanned. You could fire a lot of shots on net, and if they don't score, their defense can only hold back a team for just so long, and they just couldn't hold the Flyers back anymore. Exactly. Under normal circumstance, I think, you know, in a four, once you get to take a 4-2 lead in the third period, you should be, if you've, you've got, if you've got a, a good defense, you should anticipate the fact that your team should be able to lock things down, but you never got that sense last night no. of Columbus really kind of dedicating and, engaging, and sort of engaging themselves. And once Philadelphia, and again, you do have to take your tat, you had off to Philadelphia in terms of you the do. fact that they, in, in this game, that they did not, um, that they didn't, uh, that they didn't fold. Shane Gosses Bear said that it was an interesting co- comment, and really, you know, kind of encapsulates I think where Philadelphia is trying to go, which is. Yeah, past teams, even if they were carrying play, if they fell behind like that 4-2, to two, they probably wouldn't have won that game last year or the previous year. So if they had an idea in their head that they wanted, you know, that they, they, they deserved a better fate and did something about it in this game in terms of engaging, you know, Columbus down low, pounding, you know, getting numbers, pursuing, even when they were not having much puck luck and the puck was hopping over their sticks, they did keep at it and didn't get over and, and didn't remain frustrated. And, it could very well be a thing that they turn to and say, hey, you know, we can point back to this Columbus game and say, hey, even if things aren't going quite our way for two periods, yeah. you know, if we do keep at it, it's an old adage. If we do keep at it, things may turn. No, it's true. One more, one more thought, Ant. We saw some quote, I forget who, who got it, maybe Jordan, on um, Oscar Lindblom <clears throat> when, during the Dave Haxtell era. And apparently Dave Haxtell wasn't a good communicator. That doesn't shock me because even the times that we would interview him, maybe at practice or whatever, he would always be kind of short with answers. And you got the feeling, or at least I always got the feeling, that he would tell the players what to do and he just expected them to do it. And that was pretty much it. Like, do your job. And, and that was it. Did you, do you feel like that was the Dave Haxtell era now, now that we can look at it in retrospect? I think if we look at it reflectively, um, it, it may be in some ways how that comment was taken. It, it, it kind of depends because, again, how it reads in print versus how – you know, sometimes it's said in person can can really yeah. kind of mean something in this case. Do I think Dave always still had a bit of the old college coach in him almost at all times where he sort of, well, you know, if, if these are professional players, they're better than the college players I've had in college, so I should be able, you know, to roll out right. a good plan and they should be able to execute it. Well, sometimes there are, again, with professionals, you have to, you know, there are in-game adjustments and tactics that have to happen. We've seen it this year with AV where he'll change, you know, not only will the lines changes, but, will, you know, in certain circumstances, you know, four checks and tactics will change in the midst of the game. He does make, you know, the in-game adjustments in this circumstance. Yep. And, again, if we're looking at it from Limbaugh's perspective, again, I could see kind of the biggest, the biggest move that I, I think most fans are going to point to, obviously, is the fact of Limbaugh being uh, sat for Yuri Letera last year. And, right. you know, we, we know Letera's t- tale. How does that happen in this circumstance? It's one of the, you know, one of the mysteries, I think, in the circumstance of, uh, you know, of, 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 the, of the Hackstall era. That communication, I do think, was a, uh, was, was a big factor, I think, in, in ultimately why the team ended up where they ended up in the last few seasons. 
Yep. Now, Mike, uh, the Leafs have Dave Haxtall. <laughs> I haven't asked you ever how he's working out there or if you feel there's anything going on there. But just before we even talk about the game, do you have any thoughts about Haxtall so far with the Leafs? Well, the Leafs' policy is that the assistant coaches never talk to the media. So there's, <laughs> right. no, there's no way to sort of gauge you know, his communication uh, level based on any interaction he's had with us. But, you know, ironically, he's in charge of the Leafs defense, and I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't looked at the standings and the stats this morning, but I believe they've given up the most goals in the NHL this year. So I would go out on a limb and say it's not working out so far, but it's early. It's only 13 games into the season. Okay, so talk about um, yesterday's game. What was the well, deal with I that? Mean, here, here's the statistic that uh, is, I think shows a lot with this team. At the beginning of the year, Babcock came out and said they had four back-to-backs in October and that Michael Hutchinson would play in all four of the second games of the back-to-backs. In the first game, the Leafs are 3-0-1. In the second game, they're 0-3-1. And I have to say, it's not Michael Hutchinson's fault. It's the fact that the team doesn't show up in the second of back-to-backs. The one Mm -hmm. game uh, where they got a point, they had a 4-1 lead in the third period against Montreal, blew the lead, and lost 6-5 in a shootout. Defensively, uh, this team has been inept all year, and they have not shown the progress I think a lot of people thought that they were with a a new uh, cohort on the blue line with CeCe and and Barry. And... um, I think, especially in the back-to-back situations, you don't notice guys like Matthews and Marner and Nealander and Riley. The star players in these back-to-back games, and at times during the first month, really have not made much of an impact. Now, they're scoring goals. I mean, Matthews is on pace to score 60 right now, but defensively he's not playing well, and this team, you know, for all the goals they score, if they continue to give up goals like they have been, you can score all the goals in the world. You're not going to win games consistently. And you have any thoughts on the uh, Leafs and the Flyers will be playing them soon? Yeah, actually, next, next Saturday, Saturday. We, uh, we'll see them, obviously. Um, again, for the, I, I think Mike, in most cases, hit it pr- pretty much things on, on the head with the Leafs. Again, you, you look at their goals against 45 goals that they've given up in 13 games played. That's a lot. That's 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 really a, a really a major in, in my mind certainly a major concern. I believe that is the most. I get the check right now. I believe that is the most in the Eastern Conference right now, Mike, in terms of the amount of goals given up by yeah. any team. So that that that's for a team that's going to be, you know, having championship aspirations. Offense will eventually slow down and and dry up during stretches of the season. You have to be able to. You know, cover your. You have to be able to cover your back end, and in this circumstance, they did make changes that I thought I think Mike would, you know, certainly say that, uh, you know, the, the acquisition of Barry, you know, along with Muzzin, who was acquired last year, you hope would have added sort of a little more of a, a tougher defensive mindset. But again, it the it goes back to the old story of defense is not just the the guys on the blue line. It has to be a mentality for the entire team that they're willing yes. to bend back that full 200 feet and we're just not, and in my, you know, the games I've seen from, from Toronto this, this year, it seems to be kind of the same old, same old with regards that we're going to try to out, outscore teams. And yeah, yeah, sure. There's going to be plenty of games that are going to be able to do that, but there's also, when we get down to crunch time, it's going to be, you know, down the stretch in those tight games, they have to be better in their own end. And whether that's more personnel changes or, you know, possibly even a coaching change at a certain point uh, in the future, that's the other area that they have to take a look at. Well, I do think that, 
the message for Mike Babcock is getting faint. I do. And I do think, even though players do want to play for the Leafs, I think there is some pause now for players, and, and they're going to probably talk to Jason Spezza after this year uh, to see if they want to try and win a cup in Toronto or not, if they've only got a couple years left in their career, Mike, because, you know, that kind of stuff gets around the NHL. And got to admit, Babcock hasn't treated all his players very fairly. No, and it, it is a concern because we know how dependent they're going to be on bringing in cheap talent over the next couple of years with, you know, three ten-plus million-dollar contracts. It's going to be a tight squeeze. I and mean, now they're going to go the KHL route. And honestly, I think the most consistent forward for their team for the team this year, if not Alex Kerfoot, has been Ilya Mikhaev, the twenty-five-year-old they brought over from the KHL, and they're probably going to go down that road again. But uh, but the problem is, is like if you want to draw veteran talent in there to take a, a one-year either hometown discount or just a one-year deal to sort of showcase their talent like Kevin Shattenkirk did with Tampa Bay, players are not going to go to Toronto when they think that, yeah, Babcock is selling them a bill of goods and then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's the, you're the kicking dummy because he, he can bring you in and, and, and make you and abuse you like I think he's done publicly with Jason Spezza. Now, Spezza is at the end of his career, but he took a $700,000 deal. I think he's still an effective player. Uh, he's played better in the last few games with Tavares out. But it is a concern going forward about bringing talent in. And right now, the funny thing is it, it, they just aren't meshing. And we expected that with the great changeover in their roster. Um, and, but the ironic thing is the newer players are the ones that have played well, and it's, it's the incumbents, it's the, the core guys who yeah. have sort of not played up to expectations. Now, injuries are concerned. Tavares will be out another week or so. Hyman and Dermott are coming back, and maybe a, only a true evaluation of the, this team can be made once everybody is healthy and back. But first month, people in Toronto are a little panicked right now. Yeah, no question. So I'm going to bring up the New York Rangers in, in this way. Uh, I don't love what I see out of David Quinn lately because he's pretty much stopped teaching, and he is just gotten into the yelling game on the bench. I saw him yelling at, like, Ryan Strom. It's like, you know, you can yell at Ryan Strom all you want. Still not going to make him a second-line center. He's doing the best he can. Uh, You know, Leah Sanderson playing very few minutes, not good for his development. But one guy who is developing, just because they're letting him be him, is Tony D'Angelo. And he is a local guy in my area, so I've kept a really good eye on him over the years. And a lot of times, Ant, we talk about defensemen. It takes till like 24, 25 to really mature. He is in that range now. He's got six points in eight games. He's got four goals, three of them even strength. Like, he is a guy that puts up a lot of even strength points. Yes, will he be a minus on the season? Probably. But yeah. if you're paying a guy entry level to low money and you're getting 35 points, which is what I think he'll get this year. He had 30 last year, and he's going to play more games this year. That's a bargain in this NHL, and, you know, any team would want that. I think in many ways, I look at Tony D'Angelo as sort of in many. It, it, it remind, there's, there's elements of the game that remind me a lot of Shane Goss. bear. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think he does have. He's got a really good shot. I think certainly being a right shot defenseman, that's going to be something in this circumstance that certainly helps him uh, in the, in his career. Um, the big thing I take a look at with him 
<clears throat> again, obviously, a 25% shooting percentage is obviously not something necessary that's going to be maintained no. throughout the year. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would definitely say that, you know, in terms of the co- as you said, the cost to pr- the production, and as long as the expectation levels are within range as to what his abilities are, and Kenny, again, I always say this is that you can't teach offensive talent to a player, but always I think you know you can instill you know, good defensive discipline in a player. And as long as they apply it as much as possible, that defenseman is going to have, you know, a lot of utilization for you. So in terms of as a depth defenseman, as we go forward, as a guy who would be a middle, you know, middle, middle pairing to really high end, low pairing on a championship Mm -hmm. level team, I think Tony D'Angelo definitely has, uh, certainly has um, a, 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 a good future ahead of him in the NHL. Yeah, Mike, I mean, in this era where, you know, 75% of your defense is based on puck moving and points, and you have to look for inexpensive options for good skaters, for guys that you think you could fit in your system like this. And the teams that give them up, like Arizona, you know, put them in a trade, they're the ones that are going to look bad in the end. Yeah, and I mean, I I like what I saw out of D'Angelo against the Sabres on Thursday, you know, with that with the, the, the puck rush and, and the goal. Um yeah, and if you look at it in terms of economics, they're getting out of uh, D'Angelo what they what Winnipeg is getting out of Neil Pionk, but at three million dollars, where they're paying right. the Rangers are paying them nine hundred and twenty-five thousand. So, yeah, I mean, and there's there is room in this league for high-skilled bottom-pairing guys, and he may be challenged defensively, but um, you know he's going to produce points and that and and play a particular role whether he you know eventually would get a power play uh, you know play on the power play or not I, I don't know if he's playing second power play or not but I think he's capable of doing that but yeah I mean it's a it was a good find uh, to for the for the Rangers to get and I think other teams could benefit from players like that on bottom pairings he does get on the Rangers second power play by the way um, so all right let's. And let's talk a little Heritage Classic, not so much the results, but just the, what we always see and hear on Twitter. So, and and mm-hmm. obviously, I've covered a lot of outdoor games, so I always have a stake in just seeing what people have to say. And the first thing that you and I were laughing about is people were complaining that the game was so early in the year. Like, I didn't know there was a Heritage Classic. Again, you're really not supposed to know. If you find out, great, you watch it. But everybody in that town knows. Everybody in Regina, I guarantee, knew for a week that it was going to be there, even if you don't like hockey. I guarantee you three-quarters of the town were there sometime during that week to take part in, like, what the festival is. And then, yeah, if you watch it on TV and you don't love it, change the channel. But the players love it. The fans locally love it. And, look, I covered the first one. I mean, that was back in 04, I think it was. 03, 04, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was in November, late November, and – Everything was frozen. Snot was freezing to people's mustaches. They were poking holes in their beer. You wait a month, and you would get a lot more snow than you got last night. You would get worse ice. I thought the ice was not as bad as the original Heritage Classic. It was a little on edge, but it wasn't terrible. I watched, like, you know, half the game. What's your feeling, just in general? I mean, from what I was able to see of the game, again, you could see there was some level of struggling, I think, uh, with, mm-hmm. a bit, with a little bit of the snow in this. But I don't think it was overly terrible. Um, and, again, it is – you have to accept it for what it is. It is a live event. It is, it, it, is, it, is, it is – when I say a live event, it is an outdoor event. It is meant to be experienced live. 
a lot of times it, 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 some parts of it will translate very well to television, especially when you get that snow effect added to it, uh, that people love to watch that. Um, I think the problem is, again, people certainly stay on the, in, in the States are so used to New Year's and they're wired into here. Right. And, you know, hockey fans are wired. That seeing a game in their mind that this, that's this early. But that being said, you got to, again, it's Canada. Right. Number one, there's appetite for this, certainly in the cities. And and it is very much a civic event. We saw that in Philly, I think, with the stadium series and with the Winter Classic prior to that. There is a certain palpable, you know, I think a buzz level when an event like that is going to be occurring. And it's as much for the fans that are there as it is for people watching on television. And I still think there's a place for it. I think it's enjoyable. You know, I, I can enjoy watching it on television. I certainly have been fortunate enough to cover about, th- you know, to cover three outdoor games myself, yeah. um, <clears throat> including the one here in Philly last year. And I think it's, it can be a little tough sometimes to cover it from, from the media perspective, certainly because obviously in the stadium you're set much further back than you are at a regular live game. So, but at the same time, you do get a certain air and feel to the to the event that I still think isn't that if when you're there you get it you understand yeah. why it it has this still has this aura about itself and again having it this early in the year from just from a logistical standpoint for Canada I mean you have to have it at this point because again you get you know there's a, you know there's a reason why Canadian Thanksgiving is literally a month before the Americans because <laughs> the weather's already beginning to change. Duh, take, you know, take, take your uh, biometrics class and uh, understand that. So, so yeah, I, I, I had no, it was it, it was entertaining. David Riddich obviously uh, setting, I believe, a record with 43 saves last night. Yeah. The biggest save he made, though, I think, was to, uh, to Oliver Shillington. I mean, during that scrum when he was hit from behind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or not hit from behind, but hit by Adam Lowry. And he's down on the ice as the scrum's going on. And he, he got, that was the thing I got out of the game the most was, Riddich actually getting in there and pulling Shillington out of there while he was prone on the ice. Yeah. I thought that was a really, you know, a good a good teammate moment and uh, for him protecting it. So that was, of all the things, as entertaining, I think, as it was, the Riddich moment uh, with Shillington is something I, I'm probably not going to forget for a long time. All right, so, Mike, which would you rather have, the Yankee game in England or the Heritage Classic game yesterday? Well, I don't have any problem with the Heritage Classic being played in a neutral site like Regina, that's that's all fine and good. And I mean, my, my experience, Anthony, with uh, with outdoor games is the Centennial Classic in Toronto, and Russ was there, where the, the press box, the the press box where I would have had to sit was outdoors with a plastic opaque tarp in front of me. So I ended up watching the game from the basement with a, in, in, with a TV, with a large screen TV. But <clears throat> that being said, the thing that concerns me, and I had no problem with the event uh, yesterday, the thing that concerns me is what Elliot Friedman reported during the headlines last night, that the NHL is looking towards neutral site games going forward like Kansas City or Houston, or Quebec mm-hmm. City, or Portland. It's like, okay, it's one thing for an outdoor game, an event, uh, something that's for that particular... You're talking about like on a Tuesday night playing in Kansas City instead of playing a home game. I have a problem Yeah, that's with tough. That. Yeah, yeah you, I don't think you're going to sell a lot of tickets. I don't think you're going to generate a lot of interest. And you're taking no. away home games from, from particular teams. So I, I, I don't sign up for that, but the NHL may go that direction. I don't sign up for it either. Uh, Mike, I, don't, I want to see if you have a comment. Thomas Boyle is listening, and he tweeted that. Uh, <laughs> he said the Jackets and the Leafs are missing the playoffs this year. They're both in trouble. The Jackets, yeah. I don't think you'll disagree, but what about the Leafs? 
No, he's he, he Thomas is a good listener and he always compliments our podcast, but he's a Leaf fan, so he's in panic mode right now. The Leafs are not missing the playoffs. Right now Buffalo is in first place in the Atlantic Division. That tells you how early it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think Buffalo's starting to, to show a, a few of those warts. All right, with the few minutes we have left, I, I posted a uh, pizza challenge with a fancy graph that I didn't make, just so you know. A good friend of mine made it. I, I, I am not an Excel spreadsheet guy. But I wanted to do it. I brought up four different brands, the Archer Farms brand, Freshetta, Elio's, and uh, Wellesley Farms, which is uh, BJ's Wholesale Club, which apparently Mike doesn't even have near him, I don't think. Maybe no, we they have are. It. I just, I just oh, you never, never. You've never been in it. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I've had all those frozen pizzas, and I felt like frozen pizza would be the first world I would tackle because everybody eats it, even though there was one guy that says, oh, I never have. It's garbage. And it's like, listen, if you have kids, if you're on the run, if you, you've eaten it, and you probably eat it a lot, and you just don't admit it. So I thought I would do it. And so my challenge was if you have others that you feel like need to be tested, I'll test them and put them up against there. And, and Mike had one out of the gate. So, Mike, which one do you have? Well, I, okay, because I, I, I'm Italian, so I, I, I do not, like, make a regular practice of eating frozen pizza. If I'm going to get pizza, I'm going to get it from a pizzeria. But right. every once in a while, uh, you know, like, like, like you said, it's there, so why not? And uh, the one that, you know, because I don't feel like eating a medium-sized pizza or spending seven or eight bucks for something I know is going to be sort of substandard, I mm-hmm. sort of like the, the, personal pay, the personal pizza sizes. And the one here is Celeste. It's like $1.25 for mm-hmm. like a, a, sm- a small pizza. And the one thing that's good about it is you can put toppings on it, like, you know, whatever, olives or mushrooms or whatever. And it doesn't, that doesn't, like, affect the, the general quality of it. With the other ones, it seems like, oh, you know, it, it takes away from it. Um, yeah, it's, it's cheap, it's not bad, and you can put toppings on it, and it's pretty decent. So I, I like the, that, the flexibility I have with that, with Celeste. Okay, and I'm going to check out Celeste because I never have. A Target has it, so that will be my task for this week. I'm going to test that out. Now, Ant, I, I don't know how you feel about the subject. I will tell you I've only done cheese pizza. I'm not doing it with any toppings because I feel like it changes the pizza. I feel like at cheese, at the cheese pizza, and any kind of cheese, it's fine. But that's how you sort of, to me, is the best way to test it. So what's your thoughts about this whole thing? I think it's a combination of cheese and, and the crust at the same time. Um, yeah. I have not had of the vor you've, you've mentioned. I mean, growing up, it, it, you, know, my, you know, my parents ran a grocery store in South Philadelphia, so we did sell Elio's frozen pizza, which, again, mm-hmm. in, in a pinch, when, we, when you were a kid, you didn't know any better. And mm-hmm. <laughs> really, well, I will tell you, Elio's came out at the bottom. They did. It did. Well, your ratings here had it at the bottom. I think that's probably fair. But again, I, for me, who has never had Wesley, Archer, or Freshetta, um, I can't speak to those. I do like, and I'm not a, I'm not a frozen, much like Mike, I am not a frozen pizza guy. If you're going to see frozen pizza, it's because we've uh, foil wrapped, uh, we've either foil wrapped uh, the stuff, that, the previous slices of pizza and put them in the freezer to be toasted and yeah. at a later time. That's our mm-hmm. idea of frozen pizza. So, um, Trader Joe's, I think, does some interesting pizzas, but again, they get very fancy in terms of the different types yeah. they've had. Uh, but I do like theirs, especially as I've gotten older. I, I've got I, I'm more and more into thin crust pizzas now. 
Uh, mm-hmm. At this point now, it's kind of my favorite, and um, I'm not sure how well a frozen thin crust goes. I don't think I've had one, but usually in this... I've had margarita I've had. frozen thin crust, like, and, and they've been pretty good. Yeah, and it, again, I, based off of that, again, we're not a huge pizza eating, despite you know my, my Italian background, we're not a huge pizza eating background. The kids end up eating pizza schools on Fridays, so it's like, you know, we don't really have a sort of desire to eat it, but here and there, in terms of the frozen pizza area, I'm probably not going to be as great, but I do like some of the stuff that Trader Joe's has put out, but okay. in some ways, it almost doesn't quite feel like, it feels like you're eating a flat with something on it versus an actual pizza. Yeah, okay. and I, I, mean, I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm a good judge of what I would consider substandard or bad pizza since I was a, mem- since I was a uh, uh, student at the Buffalo Public Schools and the, the square pieces of ba- what I think was basically cardboard with, saw- with ragu on it that they called pizza um, that I ate for 10 years, uh, I think makes me an expert in bad pizza. Cross off ragu is a potential sponsor. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the last, the last thing I'll say. I don't know. Now, Ant, I'll keep you at. Well, no, I'm going to keep you in this because even if you reheat your other pizza, to me, the best two methods are either the pizza stone or in the toaster oven, rather than any other no, way. I don't know. Oh no, microwave. No, 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 no. You, you get all. No, you can't. You do microwave. It gets all moofy and loose. It's, it's yeah, yeah, terrible. yeah. No, we, we have a, we have a uh, you know one of those open door uh, toasters which of course you saw yeah. in the picture this morning I sent to you with the bagel so those yeah uh, the, the, that's that that comes out really really pretty good on, on a reheat so well can Mike, you consider me can, uh, actually consider me like Cro Magnon man or whatever because I eat it cold I eat it wow. I put, I will put it in the refrigerator wait, 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 wait. and then the next oh, morning I will, okay no, you can eat, yeah you can I put it in the refrigerator and I will eat that. it cold. Yes. It's so, still good cold, but the kids. No, no, pizza. Cold, so. I've had, I've had cooked pizza cold. I've never thought of having frozen pizza. That's oh no, 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 not not, not frozen pizza. Not oh, frozen just regular. Pizza. Oh no, I'm just talking about regular. frozen. Not even oh, no, 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 no. prepare your frozen. No, once once the frozen once the, the frozen pizza is in the oven, and it's cooked and it hasn't been eaten, it doesn't end up in the refrigerator. It ends up in the garbage. And we're going to end the show on that. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.